a brand new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast is about to begin. It's time to be inspired by simple and actionable solutions for you and your business. If you're an established entrepreneur or just laying down the first brick of your future empire, the mantra is the same. We will flip any failure into a positive and use it to our advantage. This show is all about turning coal into diamonds. With the right plan and mindset, anything is possible. I'm Jennifer John, your host, business coach, and founder of Best Planner Ever. And I'm here to help you achieve all your ambitious goals. Success is closer than you think. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Happy Productive Podcast. I'm Jennifer Dawn, your host. And with me today is the beautiful and wonderful Sheila Meat. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. (laughs) She is the entrepreneur's therapist. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have been on more than one occasion told by my clients, Jen, it feels like you're my therapist. And so we're actually talking, which I'm not, I'm their coach. But today we're talking to the entrepreneur's therapist. She's also the co-founder of the Business Therapy Center. She works with women business owners to care for their mental and emotional well-being in, as you guys all well know, this era that we're in of relentless stressors that can make you want to literally lose your crap on a daily basis. Welcome, Shula Meet. How are you? I'm having a good day today. Thank you. That's so great. I'm having a good day as well. It's so funny. Today is my day to record my podcast episodes. And my last guest, um, she had this term called, oh, hold on. It was uh, glowing No, no, she's in and flowing. That was it. I had to put the two words together, glowing and flowing. And I was like, Mm. oh my God, I love that. So I feel like today I'm glowing and flowing. How about you? (laughs) Well, I live on 13 acres of land and we just brought home, we have a barn and we just brought home a kitten two days ago to be in the barn with the other cat. And I just was out at lunchtime to say hello and we had a little panic because we couldn't find him. He's a little bitty black guy and we couldn't find him. And we thought, oh no, he got out of the barn and some, like an eagle took him or, or an eagle. Um, what do they call them? Um, a harrier. We have harriers yeah. that hunt raptors. And yeah. we're like, oh no, the raptor took him. But no, he was just sleeping in a corner and we couldn't see him because he was black and little. So I feel relieved and full of happy hormones because I got to pet a cute little kitty and he purred the whole time. So that was nice. Oh, that is so nice. I love that. I just love that connection to animals, the land, uh, the earth. It's such a beautiful thing. Mm. So talk to me a little bit. You're an entrepreneur therapist. I I fully, fully believe in therapy. I've been an entrepreneur most of my whole life. I feel like every entrepreneur needs a therapist, frankly, (laughs) because having a business is a tough gig. It really and truly is a very difficult thing. So talk to us a little bit about how did you get here? How did you start doing this kind of work? Mm, Thanks for asking. So this is my third career. I started school in social work, but got diverted into radio, TV, PR, various kinds of communication fields, and then became a translator. And in the work of translation, which is mostly typing, I sustained a typing injury and had to do my own occupational rehab. And it made sense to me because throughout my paid work, I had also always had small part-time private practice supporting women in their personal growth and their mental wellness. And so it made sense when I had to choose a new direction for my career to integrate that and return to my roots in social work. So I went back to school, got my master's degree and started in private practice as a therapist. But I knew two things about 
business, about small business. One is that many of them fail within the first year. Uh, and if not the first, then the first five. And I was an older woman starting this career that had to last me till the end of my days, more or less. So this business had to be sustainable. And I also knew that according to research done by two psychologists in the US who do research into financial well-being, they studied a number of professional groups. And of all the professional groups, the group that scored the lowest on the measures of financial well-being were, drumroll, therapists, mental mm. health practitioners. And mm. like that was just not going to be my story. So as soon as I graduated from the master's program, I started in business coaching, business mastermind. I hung out, I joined the chamber, I hung out with other entrepreneurs. And in the process of building my business, but also hanging out with other entrepreneurs, I began to understand the toll, like it's an emotional roller coaster. And there is so much emotional labor that occurs around serving clients, not only as a therapist, but even for other service-based business owners where stuff comes up around serving clients, around having contractors, a lot of emotional labor in that. And then just the up, the volatility of the market, the ups and downs. And with the mental health mind and the entrepreneurial mind coming together, I was like, oh, we need someone. Entrepreneurs as a group need therapists who understand entrepreneurship. And that's how the Entrepreneur Therapist was born. I love it. So, so cool. And so talk to me a little bit about like, what are some of the most common things that you see entrepreneurs coming to you with is like their, their biggest headaches or their biggest stressors? Well, I have, um, I have a blog post, which I will share the link with you that covers the seven factors that I, well, actually there are many more than seven over the years, but seven main factors that affect entrepreneurial mental health. And the number one is isolation. And the nature of our isolation is distinct. You know, isolation, you may recall, probably maybe six weeks ago now, the Surgeon General in the United States said that uh, isolation is as much of a threat to your physical health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So we know that isolation is a social determinant of health. It's a factor of health outside of your control, right? Or rather outside of diet and lifestyle. So everyone has experienced isolation, but the nature of isolation for entrepreneurs is unique because we don't have peers. Our peers are, it's not easy to find other entrepreneurs. And the more mm -hmm. intersections of identity or systems of oppression that you experience, the more difficult it is to find an entrepreneur like you. So woman, older, if you have disabilities, if you have mental health challenges, if you're a person of, you know, if you're um, indigenous or black or brown person, you're gonna, so your isolation, you become more and more and more isolated as an entrepreneur. But also as entrepreneurs, we're surrounded by people all day. As I said already, we have clients we serve, we have team members, mm -hmm. but we're as leaders rightly holding space for these folks. But who holds space for us? So we have all this stuff come up for us in the course of our daily work, but we're alone with it. And we can't turn to our beloved. We can't turn to our best friend for the most part because they're not entrepreneurs and they don't get it, right? So it's, it's complex, yeah. our isolation. That would be the first place yeah. that I would start. Yeah, I agree completely. I have experienced this so many times and I love how you so beautifully described it because we're not talking about isolation, meaning I don't interact with anybody all day. And in fact, we're often interacting with a lot of somebody's all day long. But you're right, at the end of the day, it's like if you don't have a partner or a best friend or a family member who is also an entrepreneur, 
They just don't get it. It is a very, very different thing. And often as entrepreneurs, I think sometimes because so many people look to us for answers on a daily basis, I think we almost start to get caught up a little bit in that, oh, I have to have all the answers. And if I don't have all the answers, it's almost like a sign of weakness. And so I think sometimes we're hesitant to really ask for help. This for me was something I had to get over. I'm way since over it. But it took me years to be able to get to a place where I could comfortably say, hey, you know, raise my hand. I need I need help on this. And I think that's where working with coaches and therapists and other practitioners is so very, very beneficial is to get that help that you need. Because so many of us, I feel like we just suffer in silence mm-hmm. and it's not good. And then it actually turns around and affects our businesses and not in a positive way. Well, you're right in all the points that you've made. These are also factors that contribute to our isolation, right? Our isolation is so complex. And I, one of the things I often say to clients is you are stronger with support. If you think about, mm-hmm. for example, a dam that has holes in it, right? Teeny tiny little pinprick holes. But over time, the little trickle through those pinprick holes will weaken the dam. And yet, if you seal those holes and buttress the dam, the dam becomes even stronger than it was before. And humans are the same. We're strong, capable, especially entrepreneurs, strong, capable, competent people who are even stronger with support. And another aspect that you mentioned that's so important is this, what we call impression management Mm -hmm. and stigma, that we have a concern that if we demonstrate any kind of, in quotation marks, weakness, anything that might result in folks questioning or doubting our capacity, that they're not going to do business with us and then our businesses will fail, right? So one of the big stressors is fronting or appearing professional or keeping the mask on, all of which are really important. We do have to show up. It's not beneficial to anybody if we show up bleeding all over the place, right? We do need to a certain degree to have our together when we come out um, professionally. And at the same time, there's a little bit of wiggle room to be human and a little more transparent, but we worry, right? Mm-hmm. And this leads again to the isolation where we don't share with people that we're in distress. We don't ask for help. And that just compounds the stress we're already under. Yeah, I agree completely. One of the things that we do a lot of work in is the emotional pieces. And, you know, most of our clients don't come to us saying, hey, Jen, I need some help, you know, processing the trauma of my childhood or working through some emotions, you know, they come with, you know, I need more time, I need to make more money, I need more clients, you know, all those kind of practical, tactical things. But at the end of the day, like that emotional piece, whatever you want to call it, the heart space, um, we can call it mindset. Most most entrepreneurs can get on board with mindset. Sometimes when you start yeah. talking about emotions, they shut down and they're just like, ah, you know, I'm not going to get all, I'm not going to go into all that stuff. Because again, I think they feel like maybe it's a sign of weakness, or maybe they don't know how to process. And so when you're working with business owners, um, to what extent do you see that emotional side contributing to a business owner's success or or fail? I want I don't like to use the word failure, even though I think failure is so very important. It's not a bad thing, but it isn't a bad thing. Yes, like somebody who maybe is more stuck or versus unstuck, mm. really moving along their path. Like, what what do you see for business owners like who are who've learned to process through their stuff or who have have put up walls and don't touch it? Well, one of the ways that emotions will show up that we don't recognize as emotions and that perhaps is more familiar is uh, how we talk to ourselves. 
And so we'll say, oh, you dummy, or oh, you don't know what you're doing. What kind of an entrepreneur do you think you are? Or what did you think you were doing going into business for yourself? What do you know? Or, you know, that kind of thing. And that points, that kind of self-talk, critical, mostly, or denigrating like put downs when we talk to ourselves, it's a signal that there's some distress at some level in our insides, but that's, we're not feeling it necessarily as emotions. I put that in air quotes, but we do, we hear those words and those can be a signal, right? That there's just inner distress. And so that's where I will start with entrepreneurs when they report the thoughts that they have around the struggles that they're facing. I invite them to be curious and I have a process that I support them in so that we don't go directly for the emotions because as you say, a lot of people are like, whoa, like no emotions in business. There's no relationship, right? Of course, you and I know that's not the case at all. And we kind of like ease in just kind of putting our toes in around the talk those thoughts might be coming from. That's one way of approaching it. And certainly I find that folks who are able to uh, touch into what's underneath all that, which, you know, it's not necessarily very scary or complex. It can be just simply frustration, right? When you can touch Mm -hmm. in on the frustration and then spend a little time with the parts of you that are frustrated, they can reveal, there's knowledge in there for us to have as entrepreneurs that can give us important information about how the steps we need to take to move our businesses forward. The other side of it is somebody who's drowning completely in their emotions. And again, we need to attend to that first because when you're drowning in emotions like this, it's difficult to take in new information. It's difficult to concentrate. It's difficult to synthesize information and make decisions. So spending some time with the part that's in distress, that and, and it's just two different presentations, but the same thing is happening on the inside. And so spending a little bit of time with the part that's in distress then can clear the way for the person to access what they either what's felt but not yet known or what they already know but have forgotten because they were so activated emotionally. Often after spending a little time like that, the folks I work with will be like, I know what to do now. I, I, I always knew what to do. I just forgot kind of thing, right? And I find that making space for that side of things clears the way then for the, for the fullness of our whole selves as the CEOs of our businesses to come forward so that we can have a, an emotion and a rational. It's both, right? Running on only emotions or only uh, rational side of things is a limited perspective, but bringing both in really gives us a holistic approach to our business that, that helps people move forward. Yeah, I think that so many are almost like afraid of emotions because we don't Mm. necessarily understand them. We're not always taught about them. I do see some of that changing. My youngest daughter in school, I now, you know, she's come home. They've done several classes on her emotions and expressing her feelings. And we sure as hell did not have any of that stuff as a kid. Um, It did not exist. So I, I love that that is changing But I think in many ways, I often see business owners who I don't want to say that they're necessarily afraid of their emotions, but they're definitely not in touch with them. And they've almost like shut them down to the point where they're not feeling. And I even I Mm. I would say there are definitely years of my life where it wasn't that I, I couldn't feel happy or sad, but all that middle stuff, like, you know, it was just things were a little bit more shut down. And that was just kind of my way of going. And now that I've learned so much in this space. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just feeling all these things. 
And sometimes when you're feeling the happy stuff, it's great. But when you're feeling the not so happy stuff, it's very easy to just close your heart and lock that stuff down. But the thing that I've now realized is that every emotion has a gift, even if it Mm -hmm. is, we'll call it a negative emotion or one that makes us not feel all that great. The anger, the fear, the pain, the shame, the guilt, like those kinds of things. But every single one of those comes with a gift. And when you shut that emotion down, and you because you don't want to deal with the uncomfortable part of it, I feel like you really, really miss the gift. Pain, right? Nobody wants to be in pain. But where does growth come from? I mean, really and truly, where does growth come from? It comes from pain. So as soon as you're just, you know, avoiding, distracting, not wanting to deal with this stuff, you literally are walking away in my world, from my opinion, from like the beautiful lesson of growth or the growth that you need if you just go through it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts? What are your thoughts on emotions? Yeah. I totally agree that there are nuggets in there, that there's gold. There's gold in them, there are hills, right? There is wisdom that is, will unfold when we spend time with ourselves. And no wonder folks don't want to go there because we don't have the skill. And when we don't have the skill, it's overwhelming. One of the ways of thinking about trauma, for example, is being with too much, it's happening too fast, and you're alone with it. And this can be echoed in the experience, in an emotional experience where you're, you're like overwhelmed, you don't know how to handle it, and there's nobody there with you. And you just, what other option is there but to shut down? And, you know, in entrepreneurship, the ups and downs are so intense and frequent that I can see why, I mean, I've done it. I'm like, as a temporary strategy to cope, you just put your head down and keep on going. And for many entrepreneurs, that becomes the default. I can't, I cannot, I'm going to put that in a box because I have to keep going. And for entrepreneurs who are trauma survivors, all the more so, and who have not had support for skill building around emotional self-accompaniment, like, which was my story for Mm, 39 years of my life, right? Even though I'd been in therapy, I didn't have a trauma therapist and it was only by a miracle, really a true blessing that I was referred at the time of greatest crisis in my life to a therapist who happened to be a trauma therapist that I was able to get the accompaniment and then develop the skills I needed to be able to accompany myself and find what was there for me and I think for me, the first thing was just the habit of caring for myself. That was the real gold in all of that for me was just the idea that I care for myself to care for myself, not to make everything go away and the negative go away and for things to be better, but simply the, the act of care toward myself. And when I did that, I was more resourced and then could handle the rest of life better But then also, as you say, there was insight that came, clarity that came, action steps that came. But again, I see why folks don't go there because it can be a lot, right? Yeah, it can be a lot. And it can be scary to have to open up some of these places and go into some of these places. And we share Mm -hmm. a very similar story in that I came from abuse and trauma in my childhood. And I didn't Mm -hmm. realize it in the sense of like, yeah, I knew some bad stuff happened. But my whole thing was just like, it could have been worse. And I'm just going to move forward. And that was really what I did for most of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic, I wasn't a drug addict, like it wasn't all these things that you're like, Oh, they've got problems. You know, I was a successful business owner. But 
at the same time, I also went through not one but two divorces. And it was in that intimate space that I just could not seem to find like a partner and have a healthy relationship. And that's where a lot of that abuse occurred. But I just happened to go to a therapist who just happened to be a trauma therapist. And thank God, because she was so able to explain to me some of the things that were happening that I didn't know about. And yeah, that stuff was all manifesting in my business because my business became my safe space. And so when I didn't want to deal with all of the relationship stuff that was coming up and emotional stuff, I would just go to work and I would get things done. And that's a very socially acceptable thing. Like, oh, you know, she's busy, she's getting things done, she's achieving. But I was also working myself into the ground. I have always loved myself, but I've been terrible at self-care. Like, I like who I am, but taking care of me was like, oh, no, 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 I'll just take care of everybody else first. But, you know, that's how I, what I was raised to do was to take care of everybody mm-hmm. else first. So I think sometimes that, what is it they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears? Like, these people come into our lives, yeah. thankfully, that can help us with this stuff. And so I really believe that the work that you're doing, like it's so critical and so important when you can get in there and do some of that deep work. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, I know I need to do some of this, but I'm like, ah, that kind of scares me. That's okay. It's okay. I think again, fear is a gift. (laughs) Fear says anytime I feel fear, it tells me pay attention. That's what fear says to me, pay attention. And I love the gift that fear brings to pay attention. I'm learning how to ride a motorcycle right now with my husband. Let me tell you, there are moments of pure fear and terror. I'm like, oh my God, if I shift wrong, I'm going to get run over for real. (laughs) But it's the fear that also keeps me humble and it keeps me sharp and it keeps me clear and it keeps me paying attention. And it's not much different in our businesses either. When we're feeling that fear, it's like, hey, just like, you know, pay attention. Or maybe it says, this is some place that you need to go if you're feeling that fear that's like your body. I feel like our, our emotions are such gifts. It's like it's our our body and that emotional system's job to serve us, and it and it will yes. if we learn how to pay attention to it. Yes, yes. And so what we're what our habit is to say when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling worried, when we're afraid, we shut ourselves down. We'll say things to ourselves like, "What's the matter with you? You don't need to be afraid." Or "Stop worrying." Oh, don't be so anxious. You know, how like you relate to your insides with frustration and annoyance. And but there's another way, you know, we can be curious. We can we, we can say, oh, like I'm noticing that part of me is afraid and I'm going to say hello to that part and let it know that it can that I'm curious about what it might have to reveal to me. And then we can spend a little time with it and we can say like, oh, maybe you might like to to the part that's afraid. Maybe you might like to let me know what it is that's on your mind right now. And that and that unfolding process really gives the riches. And, you know, we need our nervous systems to be activated in order to respond, right? Whether it's a threat or whether it's just mobilization to get our work done during the day and, and meet the goals that we've set for ourselves. We need this activation. It's not a bad thing. What It becomes difficult when we haven't got a good way of relating to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the interesting thing to me about trauma is that it doesn't have to be something really terrible. Uh, My father was sexually abusive, okay? You could have had a wonderful father and you would could still have gotten some trauma in there because as human beings, every single one of us, we're modeling for those first, you know, seven, eight years of life. That's just how humans learn how to be humans. We're modeling, we're open books, we don't have boundaries, everything gets in. If you've ever seen a two-year-old throw a 
feeling everything. And so stuff can get in, Mm. even if you had amazing parents and a wonderful childhood. So, you know, don't, if you're listening and you're just like, oh, I have these feelings, but I had a great childhood. Like I shouldn't be feeling that way. Like stuff can get in. Parents are also human. They're not perfect. Like, you know, the best parents still could possibly have said something or done something very innocently that was interpreted in a way as a child where we got some some junk in there that just needs to be rectified. So yeah, mm-hmm. I just I guess if you're listening, don't be afraid to go in and get to know yourself and to do some of this deeper work with somebody mm-hmm. like Shulamit because it's really, really mm-hmm. powerful. I'd love I'd love to hear like your clients, like when you work with pe- with clients or or I don't know if there's patients or clients, when you work with people, like what are some of the results, the outcomes that you see when they do get in and they start to do some of this deeper work? So I'm actually not going to answer that question yet. I'm going to come back to what you said, because I think there's some important stuff in there to pick up on. Mm -hmm. Uh, My colleague, Nicole Lewis-Kieber, with whom I co-founded the Business Therapy Center, she says, big T trauma explodes and small T trauma erodes. And this is kind of a a lay way, a layperson way of relating to the varieties of traumatic experience that we can have. The big T trauma is what we all think of as car accident, tsunami, earthquake, those kinds of things, like the one-time mugging, the one-time bad experience. And yet, as you say, sensitive children have sensitive nervous systems when we're developing. And small, erosive events that occur over and over again in the lives of children can also result in a traumatized nervous system. So bullying at school is one example where a, a person might think, I had a fine childhood, because you think about your home experience And even your parents may have done their best to help you manage the bullying at school, but regardless, it can still be traumatizing to your nervous system. And this is another aspect that's important for folks to recognize is that it's not the event itself. It's whether or not you had company, one, like what kind of support you had to recover after after the thing or things occurred, but also that it's your idiosyncratic self how something lands can land in one person one way and another person another way. So two people can live through the same, for example, bullying at school. One kid can be bullied and do fine and not be affected by it, except marginally, let's say in the moment it's distressing. And another kid can be completely, let's say, find it blocks them in many, many dimensions of their living, right? So those are two things, the big and small T, to recognize and also to recognize that the same event can impact people differently. So when you yourself are thinking for yourself, I don't know, do I qualify? Do I fit? You know, so-and-so had this and they were fine. What's my problem? It's, It's very unique to each person and we all deserve care for what has happened to us, you know, so that we can, and, and the purpose of the care to talk about results is to give us a way forward. To make like so that there's less friction, that we can self-connect more easily, that when something comes up in your business and instead of being immediately frustrated and angry, you can pause and say, hey, wait a minute, I know something's happening. Check in with yourself, be with what's happening. And sometimes that's enough to be able to resume your focus and carry on with your day. And that's no small thing when you're running a business. Because the number of times that our attention gets hijacked in the course of a day, to be able to manage one of the things that's going to divert our attention, which is the emotional impact of something, right? To be able to 
to have resources to manage that so that we can go back then to whatever the task is at hand. That's a really big deal. But also when you're doing like weekly, monthly, and yearly reviews and you're looking at your business and you find that can be triggering for, or I should say, I don't like to use that word because it's, um, I want to reserve it for a particular situation in which people's trauma experiences are activated by what they've been through. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you're emo- you're having an emotionally intense reaction to, let's say, your weekly or you, the d- the data in your business. I remember I did a launch early this year, and I was just it didn't it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, and I was crushed, like crushed. My heart was in my stomach. I really did cry about it. But the capacity that lasted about 24 hours where other times it would have lasted a long, much longer time. And I would have been mired in the emotion and unable to take a step forward, unable to understand what there was to learn. And this is the kind of situation I don't tell client stories because I I keep confidentiality. Mm -hmm. But this, my story is an example of the kinds of things that have happened with clients where instead of staying stuck in the emotions around a particular watershed event, that they, of course, have their emotional experience because that's very important, but then are able the next day to mine the failure for gold, to mine the situation for gold because the emotional life has been cared for. And then you can identify like, oh yeah, so I've learned this, this, and this, and I know my next launch is going to be different because of it. Those are just some examples. Yeah. And you couldn't have gone to a class and learned the way that you learned from going through a failed launch. Like, I mean, there's just, I love it, right? Like you're not going to get to, you're not going to be able to go through a better learning experience than that. And you'll take that and you'll, you'll take it and you'll go out and you do it. You'll have a wildly successful launch because of what you learned from that one, which I think is so important. But when we are so busy, like shutting down those emotions, like we we can't mine the gold because when you, I, I feel like when you repress it all, you, you repress all of it, you repress the bad and the good. And now you can't really get anything from it. And then you just spend so much time and energy trying to keep all those emotions down. It's just like, oh, you know, but it's interesting to me when I first started doing this work too, like it was very scary. It was very difficult. I cried a lot. I journaled a lot. Like I just, and I kept just going in there and it was really, really difficult. And the good news though, is that once you kind of learn how to do this, it was literally just this weekend. I was saying to my husband, cause I was working on something and I was just like, wow, you know what? There's a lot of pain around this. In fact, it's a pretty intense pain. And I mean, I could mm. feel the pain coming up. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing was, it did not trigger me, which I have had many real for real triggers. It didn't trigger me. I still showed up in my day. I still functioned. I still had a a lovely day. But I like all of this was going on. And so you do get to a point where it's not as charged. It's not as hot. But the only way you get there is if you really get in and work on it. That's right. So as as the entrepreneur's therapist, most folks who come to me have already done the heavy lifting. I don't do trauma therapy anymore. I was a trauma therapist. I worked mostly with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. But our trauma history shows up in our lives and in our businesses because our trauma has had an impact on who we are as people, right? And there are some patterns of behavior that we, d- that we develop to cope with our traumas. And we can maintain those patterns of behaviors throughout our lives, even when they don't serve us well. And this is an example of the kind of, in quotation marks, trauma work that we might do if I, I were to work with an entrepreneur who had trauma, is to be aware because they've done the heavy lifting. So they have the awareness and they've had the personal healing 
or are on their personal healing path and now have the capacity to be aware or curious, like where is, where are my trauma patterns, my trauma coping behaviors showing up in my business? And then you can see them and go, oh, and just hold it kind of lightly and say, oh, and I know how this plays out in my life. Let's be curious about how this plays out in my business. Like for example, one, this is an issue I work on with clients all the time is boundaries. Boundaries can, for many folks, be a trauma. Boundary challenges can have their birth in trauma or they can have their birth in other places. Regardless, it's an issue that entrepreneurs encounter, especially women entrepreneurs all the time. And it starts early on in the business where there really is a survival instinct because it feels like life or death because for many folks, if you can't pay your bills in your business, you can't pay yourself and you can't pay your rent or your food. And it does really on an, on an emotional level, on a gut level, feel like life or death. And so we have a, yeah. a, the logical nervous system response to that, which is fight or flight. In this case, it's, you know, you might feel anxious, you might have trouble sleeping, all those kinds of things. And so as a result of that, you, you over-deliver, you work day and night, and you think that it's the right thing to do. And in the early, early stages of a business, there may be times in which this is appropriate. But what often happens is we stay with that habit much longer than is actually needed in our business. And it becomes a boundary issue. And so we can be curious. Oh, I know, I know boundaries were a thing for me. And I'm feeling like I'm overextended in my business. And I wonder, let's be curious, right? And we can look at where our boundaries. So simple boundaries, for example, something I see many solopreneurs have is one phone. One mm. phone number for business and personal. And like we need in order to be able, as a therapist, people say to me, how is it that you can do the work that you do? I don't, I couldn't listen to people talk to me like this all day. It would be too much for me. And I say to them, well, of course it's too much for you. You have no container for it. For me, although we do emotional work, I have a container. I step into that container. I do the work in the container and then I leave the container and it doesn't leak into the rest of my life. My nervous system has time to enter the rest and digest phase so that I can recover and then return to my work the next day. When you have phone calls coming in at all hours of the day and night that are business related, even if you don't answer them, you see them on your phone. That takes the work out of the container and activates your nervous system when it's supposed to be in a rest and digest phase. And so one of the first things I've had to say to so many of my clients that I've recommended very strongly is get a separate phone, have one for business mm. and one for home and separate email, at, you know, and to, and to start to construct a healthy supportive container so that you can step away and go, oh, oh, and exhale, yeah. right? And have a time out because yeah. it's so important. So that's another example when people, I support them in building boundaries that are appropriate for them figuring out what fits for them. And then as a result, they come back with more gumption, more energy, more enthusiasm to their business when they have an opportunity to step away, like, and to be in choice around when am I in my business and when am I out of my business? Yeah. So important. And guys, I know we're running out of time, but I can mm -hmm. talk about this all day long. Right. I love this topic so much. I have to tell you a quick, funny boundary story. So I, of course, never really had or learned about boundaries. And growing up, there was no such thing because I had three little sisters. I was taking care of them. And I, as I mentioned, my household growing up was less than desirable. So I never really learned how to set boundaries. And it was the trauma therapist who really started me to, to start to learn what boundaries look like. And I remember 
when I first started setting boundaries in my relationship, it felt horrible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I I know somebody out there is going to hear this and go, oh, I I don't want to listen to this boundaries conversation because I tried to set a boundary and it felt horrible. Yeah, it feels horrible in the beginning when you have to set a boundary and you're not used to it and it just feels horrible. But then you set the boundary and you get a different result and it feels better. And you're like, oh, wait a second. I could set another boundary and another boundary. And literally boundaries become one of your very, very best friends. Me and my husband, we're, we've been going through this lovely um, training where we've been learning more and more about boundaries. And it was so funny because in the training, um, you have to do this exercise where you have to look at boundaries that you have crossed with another person and your boundaries that are being crossed. And one of the things on the boundary sheet was uh, sharing food. If somebody just like takes food off your plate, that's actually, I did not know this, a boundary violation. So I've been with my husband for 11 or 12 years now. And when we very, very first met, he was always like, oh, um, let's share your French fries. And I was like, okay. Like, I never wanted to share my French fries ever. It took me 10 years to literally say to my husband, I love you, but I'm so sorry. I don't want to share my French fries with you. And then he's like, this whole time, I thought you were okay sharing your French fries. I'm like, nope, I'm not. And now when we go out and we order food and it's like, if somebody's getting French fries, now my husband's like, oh, I know you don't want to share yours. And I'm like, I'm okay sharing with permission, but like, I don't want to just be assumed that I'm going to share my food. It's just this little thing, but neither of us knew. And I think that when you do the development on yourself and you do the work and you learn these things, and now we get a big kick out of it and it's really funny, but it actually works for both of us because he doesn't want to do something that's going to violate my boundaries. I don't want my boundaries violated. And we want to laugh and have fun with the whole thing. But we couldn't do that until we actually both started learning more about this stuff. And be curious about it, guys. Dive in there, find out about it. And you never know, maybe if you don't want to share your French fries, you won't have to if you this set is, a boundary around it. And I'm much happier now. <laughs> this is such an important example of how we're stronger with support. Because without the support, mm-hmm. you would never have undertaken this investigation and done this work and come to this, found this out about yourself and your relationship. And we have relationships with our businesses, just like we have relationships with our beloveds. And We have intimacy with our business, just like we have intimacy with our beloveds. And intimacy is built through communication and trust, right? We work at it over time. And just like communication leads to trust and understanding with your beloved, it also communication with yourself, understanding of yourself and communication in quotation marks with your business and understanding of what serves it and what serves you and where is the common comfortable space for you and your, and your business together. That then puts you in a in a very powerful position. It does. It's it's such a powerful position. I mm-hmm. can't even explain how powerful it is, but in the beginning it's not going to feel good. And that's okay. It's okay. Keep going. Keep doing the work. I promise that it'll just it will get better with practice and repetition and once you start to see I set the boundary and things got better. I set the boundary and things got better. Got better. So mm-hmm. just don't quit. If you try it and it feels horrible in the at first. <laughs> and if you try it and it feels horrible, get support. It doesn't have to be professional yeah. support. It can be support from someone who else who's good at boundaries and who understands how difficult it is. Because when you set a boundary, there's going to be blowback. People are not going to like it. That doesn't mean the boundary is bad. That just means they don't like it. And to withstand the push, 
It's great to have somebody by your side so that you can be with your discomfort and still stay solid in a boundary that works for you and doesn't cause harm to the other person that's kind and respectful to both folks. It's hard and with support, you can do it and it's worth it. It really, really is. And honestly, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to hold that space. But now I I can hold the space and give my husband room to be disappointed or upset or whatever, because I set the boundary and it was okay that he was disappointed. And so as you get better at this stuff, you can be in a place where I am 100% get the support. So that way you can set the boundary in a loving way, but also be willing to hold that space with the other person who might be disappointed and, and allow them to be disappointed and work through it together. And when you do that, you know, the relationship gets better and deeper and stronger. And it just becomes this like beautiful thing. It does. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Love it. Wonderful, wonderful. Shulamit, please tell everybody where they can find you if they want to learn more about the amazing work that you do. Thanks for asking, Jennifer. What I would love is for folks to sign up for my newsletter. It's at shula.ca slash newsletter. And we'll give the link, of course. Shula.ca is my website, and that's the other place to find me. But I don't know about you. I don't remember to go looking for things. I like stuff in my inbox to remind me, oh, yeah, there's this great resource. Let me go check it out. So my newsletter is a great way to do it. But also, I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. LinkedIn under my name and Instagram is The Entrepreneur's Therapist. And I love mostly to be in the DMs with folks. That's what I love about social media is not so much the posting and scrolling, but really interacting with folks. Uh, So I love to have conversations in the direct messages on both platforms. So I invite you to contact me there too. And we can have a chat. I love it so much. And you guys, we will absolutely put all of her links in the show notes for today. So just hop on the website. You can go to happyproductivepodcast.com. You can see this episode and all the links will be there in the show notes. All right, that's it. What a great episode. I know that we helped some people today, which makes me so very happy that, you know, hopefully you'll hear something today and you'll want to take action from it and it will make your life and your business even better than what it is right now. So that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Shulamit. And you guys all get out there and have a happy, productive day. Bye. I hope you found today's episode of the Happy Productive Podcast inspiring. Every successful business is formed by a set of small, consistent, and attainable steps. If you want to learn more, come visit us at jenniferdawncoaching.com to take your next step and learn how to meet your business goals. On our website, you're going to find free resources along with links to the life-changing coaching programs that have transformed the lives of so many of our clients, including the Coaching Academy and our Unbreakable Retreats. Many of them started their journey by listening to this podcast. That's it. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. The She Leads Podcast Network.